1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, Paul's writing to a group of people that are, uh, quite frankly, uh, pretty messed up. They're uh, Christians, they're apostolics, they're Pentecostals, but they've got a lot of problems. Oh my goodness. If you ever want to feel good about you and your church and your pastors, read 1 Corinthians. You'll feel really good about how well we're doing. But here's what he writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. Under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. He's our Savior. He's their Savior. Aren't you grateful to be saints of the Lord in the church of God around the world. Now, when we understand the ways that God grows us as believers, it makes a big difference in our lives. If we're not just kind of trying to figure this out by ourselves, but we're paying attention to what scripture says. Uh, it doesn't make life perfect just because you know how God's moving in your life. It doesn't mean that growing in God will never hurt or never be confusing or that you'll never make mistakes because that happens to all of us. But when we understand what God is up to in our lives, it brings us peace and confidence. And so tonight I want to talk to you, just very simple subject, uh, not for very long, famous last words, but um, I want to talk to you about called to be saints. Somebody say saints. And that's you and that's me. Now the Bible word for God's process of growth is a big theological word. You've heard it. Sanctification. And sanctification simply means being set apart, being made different, being unique, being withdrawn from the things of the world, being uh, withdrawn unto the Lord. Sanctification or sanctified means set apart. So when you're a saint, you are set apart from the things of the world, and that's part of our growth process as believers. And in the Old Testament, it was most often places of worship or objects of worship that were called set apart or sanctified. There were the holy priests, and they had holy garments, and there was a holy altar and holy furniture in the tabernacle, and we even call Israel the holy land. All of these things were set apart. That's Old Testament. In the New Testament, we don't have holy places and holy objects because we're not a physical people with an earthly covenant. We're a spiritual people with a heavenly, eternal covenant. But in the New Testament, we still do have one thing that is set apart for God's honor and use, and that is God's people, his saints, those that are sanctified. Second Timothy, Paul writes, in the very last letter he will ever write on this earth. And he writes to that young man that he has mentored. And he says, Timothy, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. And it has this seal. This is the seal. If you could see the foundation of God's kingdom, this would be marked on it. The Lord knoweth them that are his. You can fool a lot of the people a lot of the time, but you can't fool God any of the time. He knows who's really walking with him, who's really serving him who's really doing this with all their heart. And Paul said, and Timothy, if you could see that seal, the foundation of the kingdom of God, 
you'd also see this because this is a foundational principle of God's kingdom. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Iniquity is sin. It's a specific type of sin, but it's sin that separates us from God. Sin that gets into our hearts and our minds and our lives, our priorities, our thoughts, and it divides us from God. It puts a, a division in there. And Paul said, if you're going to be part of God's great kingdom, you've got to make a choice to leave iniquity, to leave sin and draw close to God. And then Paul's honest enough to talk to Timothy about this fact that not everybody's doing it perfectly at any given hour of every given day. Timothy, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but there are vessels of wood and of earth. There are some dishes in the house, Timothy, that we bring out when the company's here. And there are other dishes that we just use every day. In fact, there's some dishes you wouldn't mind taking out in the yard and using to put, uh, well, they wouldn't have had engine oil back then, but you understand the principle. They're just vessels of dishonor. We'd use it for any old purpose at all, Timothy. Some translations even say that some of these vessels of wood and of earth, they would be a, a bathroom kind of vessel. So they're not vessels of honor at all. And Paul said, in the kingdom of God, in a great house, there are vessels of gold and silver. There are other vessels of wood and of earth. And some are vessels of, unto honor and some are unto dishonor. Timothy, I've got high hopes for you and great plans for you. And I have great confidence in you. Timothy, I want you to be a saint of God. Do you know in the Bible, there are references to people being called to ministry? There's no reference that I can find that anybody is called to preach, although we use that term. But there are many references to people like you, called to be saints. There is no greater, higher calling in the kingdom of God than being privileged and honored to be a saint of God. Paul said, Timothy, if a man purge himself from these, Timothy, stay away from all that sin and iniquity and the lust of the flesh and the lust of youth and the pride of life, stay away from all that. If a man purge himself from these, Timothy, I have confidence you'll be a vessel unto honor. Here's that word. Timothy, you'll be sanctified. You'll be set apart so that God can use your life and meet for the master's use prepared unto every good work. So Timothy, make sure you flee those youthful lusts and follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and with all the others. There are others in the kingdom besides you, Timothy. You're not alone doing this. There are other people fighting the same battles, uh, going through the same struggles, similar circumstances and situations. So follow all of these good things and flee all of these sinful things with all those that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That's Paul's desire for Timothy because he knows that the greatest thing that Timothy will ever accomplish in his life is not pastoring the great church in Ephesus, which Timothy will eventually do. It's not becoming a bishop, which history tells us that Timothy eventually became. No, Paul knows that the greatest thing Timothy will ever accomplish in his life is that he'll be called to be a saint of God and will be used by God for his kingdom. This Sunday, we will celebrate a wonderful occasion at our church, 20 years with Pastor Jack and Sister Kathy Lehman, and we're so excited about that. And the Bible tells us to give honor where honor is due, and honor is certainly due. But you know, the kingdom of God isn't just measured in 
pastors and in churches and it's measured in saints. It's measured in people like you that show up and serve and give and pray and worship and respond and follow the leadership of pastors, people who are called to be saints. We are forever appreciative for you. You are the CCC that our missionary talked about a few moments ago. You make everything possible because you are called to be saints. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul said, here's my prayer for you in Thessalonica. The very God of peace sanctify you. There's that word again, sanctified, sanctify, sanctification. I'm praying that God sanctifies you wholly, fully, totally, completely. And I'm praying to God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm praying for every part of you people. I'm praying for your spirit, that's the eternal part of you. I'm praying for your soul, that's the individual part of you, your mind, your, your personality, your intellect, all of that. And I'm praying for the physical part of you. I'm praying that your spirit and soul and body, eternal part, individual part, physical part, I'm praying for all of that, that you are preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in case it sounds like such a big job, such an unattainable goal, that you could never reach it, that you could never achieve it, that you could never do it, that you could never be that. In case it sounds too big and too fearsome and too uh, terrifying to even consider that you could be a saint of God. The next verse, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You won't have to do it on your own. You won't have to walk this way on your own. You won't be without help because Jesus is gonna be walking with you and he's gonna be living in you and he's gonna be guiding your steps and helping you every single day. Aren't you grateful for a God just like that? Now, this is the verse that everybody has on the refrigerator probably. Romans chapter eight, Paul's again writing. He's the great theologian of the New Testament. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. He does not say that all things in your life will be good. He never promises, nor does anybody else in your Bible, that if you become a Christian, everything suddenly starts coming up roses in your life. He never promises, nor does anybody else, nor did Jesus. He never says that, all things are going to be good. It's always gonna be happy. You're always gonna be filled with peace and joy. You're never gonna have a qualm or a concern. You're never gonna have an anxious moment or a sleepless night. He never promises that. But here's what he promises for those who are called to be saints. That by the time you get back down the road and you look around behind you, you'll say, that was really nasty. That was awful. That was bad. But I've never been closer to Jesus. All of those things worked together for my good. Oh no, they weren't all good. Some of them were downright evil. But God made sure that they worked together for my good. I don't care 
Oh, I do care, but you understand the, the vernacular. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care if it's sickness or pain, confusion, some kind of family problem or fracture or issue. I don't care what you're wrestling with in your mind. If you will stay true to Jesus and you will walk with him, the promise of scripture is rock solid that he will use even the bad things, even the sad things, even the evil things, even the things that the enemy tries to use against you. He will use them and work them together for your good. It's amazing. And this works for those that love God to them who are the called. Somebody say the called. The called according to his purpose because we are called to be saints. Paul paints this glorious picture. He says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. If you're breathing, God's working on you. If you're breathing, he's still got work to do in you. If you're breathing, he's not nearly finished yet. We're all a work in progress. We're all a construction zone. And Paul says, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, if you've got a little theological sense in you, you understand that justified or justification is a theological process. That's the new birth experience, justification. And you understand that glorified or glorification, that's rapture day when we receive our glorified bodies, which we do not have yet. The diet may be working for you, but you still don't have a glorified body. You still are going to get the sniffles and the flu and all kinds of stuff. And you don't have your glorified body yet. So you understand if you've got a little theological bent that justified, that's a theological process that happens uh, when you experience the new birth. You're, you're repent of your sins. You're baptized in Jesus' name. You receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's justification. You understand if you've got a little theological understanding that glorification, that's the day that the rapture happens. And, and we all receive our glorified bodies and we're forever with the Lord and we're forever like the Lord. And what a day, glorious day that's gonna be. But if you got a little theological bent, you're thinking like, well, didn't he skip one? Because there's something in the middle there. Well, he didn't skip it. He just said it in different words. He said, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, here it is, to be conformed to the image of his son. The whole purpose of us living for God and God living in us and working in us is to conform us, to make us into the image of his son. That we become more like Jesus the longer we walk with Jesus. That our actions and our reactions and our priorities and our thoughts, they become more like him the longer we live for him. That's being conformed to the image of his son. And it's also, if you got that little theological bent, you know that that means sanctification or sanctified. It's the middle piece of this puzzle. And so Paul paints this wonderful picture of the process of salvation. Justification happened the moment we were saved. I remember vividly the night I was baptized in Jesus' name. I remember coming out of the tank in that little red brick building, homemade plywood pews, paneled walls, and I remember um, when I got baptized, it was 1974, and uh, in Fredericton, we were always a little behind anyway here, and we were in the, th the throes of the hippie movement, about 10 years late, but that's typical for Fredericton, and, 
And I remember somebody had invited a bunch of hippies. Now, if you don't know what a hippie is, you really are a lot younger than you look. And uh, there's a lot weirder stuff there out there now, but they were the height of weird back then. And I remember somebody invited like a whole row of them and they were seated like second row from the front. And you, you may not believe this, but when I, I'm just a kid, I was, I was just 12 years old. But I, when I came out of the baptistry, it was like the love of God just filled me. And I looked at those people that I'd been watching through service because my mother taught me that you watch people that are like dangerous looking. <laughs> and if I didn't watch them close enough, she would watch them for me. And I've been watching those dudes all service. And I don't know how to explain it. When I came out of the water and I looked back at the congregation, it was like the love of God for everybody in that building. It was just flowing out of me. It was, it was a difference. I remember two doors down from the church kitchen on a, a dark stained wooden seat, wooden back chair with blue legs, metal legs. Two doors down from the church kitchen in the basement of that humble little building is where I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I, I'll never forget those moments. And I know you don't forget those moments in your life. That's being justified. That's experiencing being born again. That's the new life that God puts in you. There is nothing as valuable as that experience on this earth. Nothing comes close to comparing to that moment in your life. And it changes everything. It does not make you perfect. It does not make you sinless. It does not mean you'll never make a mistake or have a bad day. It doesn't even mean that you won't flounder and, 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 and be fickle and fall once in a while. But it does mean that God wrapped you in his love and declared you to be his child. And so now in your Christian life, you approach things from the perspective of a child of God, a saint of God. I understand what they're saying and singing. I get it. I even like it sometimes. The, the, the imagery of I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I understand what they're saying, but it's not technically true, not biblically true. You're not a sinner anymore, period, end of story, if you're born again of the water and the spirit. You're a child of God. Now you still need to be appreciative that you were saved by grace and you still need to recognize that you could slip back into sin if you're not careful and if you don't walk with Jesus. So I get all of that and I appreciate all of that, but I am a child of the living God. Yes, I've been saved by grace, but I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a saint. That's an odd word because the denominations and the religious world have co-opted that term to mean somebody that's especially dignified and especially valued and especially holy. But that's not the sense of the Bible word. A saint is every one of you. You are a saint of God. You are a child of God. You are set apart from the things of the world. Because God called you to be a saint. So we see sanctification in those verses. Paul says the word justified and he says the word glorified, but he says conformed to the image of his son. That's sanctified. They're all three right there. Now, 
if you've heard over the last several years, if you've been through any of the teaching where we talk about our lifestyle convictions, you've heard this. And if you have, I don't apologize because this is so valuable. This has helped me in so many ways. Uh, Beverly and I had the chance to be in uh, Hatfield Point, New Brunswick, with the wonderful folks there a couple of Sunday nights back and, um, and preach. And that's where uh, my, my teacher, uh, Reverend Allison Post, he pastored there and he's buried there. And uh, it brought him back to, to mind. And maybe that's why it brought this back to mind this week. But Brother Post used to love to say, salvation is the most elastic word in the Bible. I was saved. I can hear him saying it. I was saved and I'm being saved and I will be saved. It's the most elastic word in the Bible. It'll cover you every phase and stage and age of your life. I was saved. I am being saved and I will be saved. If the theologians were saying that, they would say, I was justified and I am being sanctified and I will be glorified. Or if they really wanted to impress you, they would say, I experienced justification and now I am experiencing sanctification and someday I will experience glorification. And they would really throw out those multi-syllables. I can't even say multi-syllables. <laughs> so you're with the, the lower end of the intellectual spectrum tonight, but don't, dis don't despair. So there's a sense of salvation that is past and present and future. And the good news is, Jesus has you covered all the way through. Whew, my goodness. Ha <laughs> Yes, he does. And Brother Post would explain that when I was born again of the water and the spirit, I repented of my sins and I was baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost. I was justified. I was born again. He would explain that I was saved at that very moment from the penalty of my sin. It's all gone. I don't care what you've done, what life you have lived, what sins you have committed. Once you are born again, that is under the shed blood of the cross of Calvary. And at the moment you are born again, you are saved from the penalty of everything you've ever done. It doesn't matter. There are no big sinners and little sinners in the eyes of God. It's all sin. It all separates. So if you grew up in church and your biggest sin was being a gossip, that doesn't matter. And probably if you were a gossip, you had a lot more buried in your heart anyway. It doesn't matter if you were that or if you did some terrible thing and served time and you did crimes. And as soon as you're born again, you're saved from the penalty of sin. And someday when we're glorified, when the rapture happens and we all rise in the air to meet him and we meet all of our loved ones who have gone on before us and my goodness, the way this world's going, it sure seems like that day is coming at us like a freight train and I'm not the least bit distressed about that because we've said goodbye to far too many people that we love very much in the last few years and I'm okay with that day coming at us like a freight train. But in the moment that you are glorified, Brother Post taught us, he said, in that moment, you'll be saved from the very presence of sin. The devil can't ever touch you anymore. Temptation can't ever get to you anymore. Sin can't ever hurt you anymore. You're saved out of the very presence of sin. So that's what Paul did. He's got both ends. He's got justification. That's where I'm saved through the new birth experience from the penalty of all my sins. 
And he's got glorification. That's where I'm saved from the very presence of sin forever. But the middle, the middle, the middle. The middle's called sanctification. The middle's called being set apart, made holy, made different and unique from the world, withdrawn from the things of the world, sanctified. It's called being a saint. That's the middle process. And so Brother Post would say, I was saved and I'm being saved and I will be saved. I was saved from the penalty of my sin. Every day that I live, I'm being saved from the power of sin over me. And someday I'm going to be saved out of the very presence of sin. Now, all of the rest of us, we're living right here in this middle part. For most of us, we've already experienced the new birth, so we've been justified. You are already called a saint of the living God. So we haven't been glorified yet, so we're right here in the middle. We are being sanctified every day. That means every day that you live, there's going to be a battle in your mind. The devil is going to be trying to drag you back to sin, and the Holy Ghost in you is going to be saying, you can do it, you can make it, you can overcome it, you can live this, you can can be a victor you can overcome sin you can overcome the world and the flesh and the devil that's called being sanctified it's an everyday process and every one of us we're somewhere in this middle ground being sanctified called to be saints being saved from the power of sin over us so if you have a bad day and you fail or you fall or you're fragile or fickle you fall flat on your face and you feel like giving up, you remember something. You are not what you used to be. You are a child of the living God and you sinned, you made a mistake, you get back up, you look at Jesus and say, God, forgive me, I don't wanna be like I used to be and you keep on walking. That's part of being sanctified. Sanctification comes from the same root word as the word saint. In the Bible, all believers are called saints. So I'm not trying to grow into a saint. I am a saint by virtue of my new birth. I am a child of God by virtue of my new birth. So now I'm trying to live out what's already in me. I'm not trying to grow into a saint. I'm a growing saint of God. Maybe this would help you. Would you turn to your uh, dearly beloved if they're seated next to you or a friend or a neighbor or somebody you don't know and just freak them out and say, hello, I'm St. Raymond or whatever your name is. Would you do that, please? Now that feels really strange, doesn't it? I wouldn't recommend that at Tim Hortons at the cashier. Hello, I'm St. Raymond. I'd like an extra large three cream, please. Wouldn't recommend that. They won't understand. But it's true nonetheless. Second Peter chapter 3, Peter said, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's our goal every day. Your goal today isn't to be perfect. Your goal today is to grow in grace. Your goal today is to grow in Jesus. Your goal today is to be more like Jesus today than you were yesterday. That's your goal. It's actually not that complicated when you think about it. Most people use the word saint for people that they think are so holy they never sin. I hate to bust your bubble, but there's no people like that in this local church. Sometimes we say, oh, those dear old saints. Those dear old saints. Because we think they're so old, they're too pooped to party and they can't sin. 
Some of you older folks are getting a kick out of that. You still got a little party left, don't you? You never hear anybody talk about those dear young saints. Nobody ever says that. But it's true. Every born again believer is a saint. It's a child of the living God. The New Testament refers to believers as saints 56 times. And even those people in Corinth, with all their struggles and all their mistakes and all their failures, Paul said, you're called to be saints. And here's why it's important that you know that you are a saint of God. Because until you see who you are in Christ, you'll always be fighting your feelings. You'll have a bad day or a bad moment and you will think and the devil will amplify it in your brain. Of course I sinned. I'm just a sinner anyway. Of course I can't understand the Bible. I'm dumb. Of course I failed. Who do I think I am anyway? If you listen to those voices, you will fail. But see, living as a saint of God, living as a child of God, we walk by faith, not by sight. I accept by faith in him that I have been sanctified. And as a believer, I am called to be a saint. And so it works a whole lot different when you say, of course God's good to me because I'm his child. Of course God's word is changing me because I'm called to be like him. Of course God can use me because I'm a child of the living God. It makes a whole lot of difference. But Pastor Raymond, I don't feel like a saint. Well, good, join the club. None of us do either. But our growth as Christians has its foundation in faith in God and his word. See, if you don't understand what God's doing in your life, you'll fall into the ditch on one side or the other of this road of faith. On one side, there's a ditch that we would call legalism. Legalism is trying to grow in Christ, trying to be a Christian based on your own efforts and your own good works. That's legalism. It's trying to keep a bunch of rules and feel good about yourself and think you're achieving something. That's a ditch along one side of the road. But on the other side of the road, there's another ditch and it would be called in the scriptural terms, license or licentiousness. And that's presuming on God's grace that I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. I'll just ask Jesus to forgive me. No big deal. I'll just do whatever. I, I can live however I want. And when I make a mistake or when I do something that I know is wrong, I'll just say, hey, Jesus, forgive me. Let's keep on going. I'll do it tomorrow and I'll ask you again. See, both of those ditches are wrong. Both of those ditches actually will eventually take you off of the road of sanctification. Sanctification is no one... I'm not doing this in my own strength. I'm living this in his strength. But because I appreciate his strength so much, I'm gonna do everything humanly possible to work with the grace of God and to let the grace of God work in me. And I'm gonna leave behind all of those sinful behaviors that almost destroyed me in the first place. Sanctification refers to two things. And I'm almost done. Sanctification refers to two things. There's a finished action and then there's a daily process. And they're both part of sanctification. Here's the finished action, Hebrews 10 and 10. By the which will we are sanctified, period, end of story, finished work, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So I was sanctified through his sacrifice 2,000 years ago. That's a fact of history. That's done. It's finished. It's accomplished. That's the finished action of sanctification. 
1 Corinthians 1 and 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. I can't add anything to it. He has sanctified me. He has redeemed me. I can't add anything to it. It's finished. But the same Bible that teaches us that Jesus accomplished our sanctification also teaches us that we need to walk in sanctification. It's a daily process. Look at this, 1 Peter 2 and 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You're supposed to grow. It's God's will that you grow. The whole sanctification process is about growing in the Lord. If you've lived for Jesus for 10 years, my goodness, you should be more like Jesus now than you were 10 years ago. If you're not, something's amiss there. It's not working. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Follow peace, that's an action, with all men in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So there's a growth process. There's a following process. There's a desiring process. It's not enough to just experience the new birth and then go on autopilot. God wants you to grow. As parents, as we all raised our children, those of you that have raised kids, some of you have kids in this room right now, we don't just say, well, they're born. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We'll pick them up when they're 18 to drive them to graduation. No, you got to raise those kids. And you want them to grow and learn and you want them to develop and you want to teach them things. Think with me. And it pleases you as a parent when they love you enough and they've listened enough and they've responded to your teaching enough that they begin to do the things that you wanted them to do, that you taught them to do, but now they're doing it out of love for you and respect for you. Isn't that a good feeling as a parent? Well, God is not a dysfunctional father. He loves it when we respond to his teaching and his training in our lives. And now we're not keeping rules. There aren't enough rules in the Bible to keep you saved. But there's enough grace in God to help you obey his commandments every day of your life. If it's just rule keeping, you've missed the point. But if it's loving Jesus every day and following him, that's called being sanctified. So there's two processes. There's a finished action. Jesus did that. But there's a daily process of becoming sanctified. And that's part of my responsibility to grow and to follow and to obey and you can even see the two processes in one verse in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. For by one offering, that's Calvary, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So he, he did it on Calvary, but we're walking in it today. He paid for it on the cross, but we are the beneficiaries of it today. How many of you are married in this room? How many of you are married but wish you weren't? Would you raise your hand? I don't know how to get you to raise your hand. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> being sanctified is a lot like being married. You say, I do. I do. Two seconds. And spend the rest of your life figuring out what that meant. That's being sanctified. He paid for it. He accomplished it. But now you get to live it out. 
The finished action of a wedding ceremony has to be lived out in the daily process of married life. And the finished action of him providing the power for our sanctification, now it needs to be lived out in our everyday life. And that's why we are called to be saints. Called. He's pulling at us. He's teaching us. He's guiding us. He's loving us. Sometimes he needs to pick us up. Sometimes he needs to hold our hand. Sometimes he needs to hug us because we're so distraught. But he's proud of you because you're his kids and you're called to be saints. God, here's, here's the conundrum. Here's the dichotomy. God has already made me holy and God is making me holy. He already declared me holy when I was born again. But he and I both know that there's still some work to do. So I've been declared holy, but I'm also being made holy. That's sanctification. So there's a spiritual tension in those two statements. I am who God says I am, but I know my own struggles. You feel the tension? You're supposed to. It's called growing in God. If you're new around CCC and you've made some mistakes and, and you've fallen and you've slipped back into old habits from time to time, don't you dare hang your head and walk out of here and say, I can't do it. You can do it. He, he wouldn't have saved you if he didn't know you could do it. And furthermore, he'll help you do it because he loves you. We make a big deal in modern Christianity about I believe in Jesus. Guess what? Jesus believes in you. He wouldn't have died if he didn't believe in you. He wouldn't have died and given his life and risen from the grave if he didn't believe in you. And this church believes in you. And this pastor believes in you. And these saints believe in you. So there's tension. God's already declared me holy and he's still making me holy. It's a tension. It seems like only one of those should be true, but actually they're both true. And much Bible doctrine is like that. There's a tension built in. Jesus is both God and man. There's a tension. God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants, but he still gives us free will. There's a tension in that. God's merciful, but he's also just. There's a, a tension you can feel in that. I am not saved by good works, but yet the Bible tells me I'm saved unto good works. That God is before ordained that I should walk in him. Not saved by works, but saved to do good works. So there's a tension there. You can all, all, always feel it in, in true Bible doctrine. There's a tension. This one we're living in right now. We expect his return at any moment. But until he gets here, we're going to occupy till he comes. We're going to reach as many people as we can reach. We're going to pray as many prayers as we can pray. We're going to do as much that impacts his kingdom and our world as we can. We expect him at any moment. But we're not going to sit around and twiddle our thumbs until he gets here. We're going to occupy till he comes. There's a, a tension. So let me conclude tonight. Sanctification is not trying hard to become something I am not. That's not what sanctification is. Sanctification is not trying hard to become something I am not. No. Sanctification is the process of living out what I already am. 
If you ever get that in your spirit, it'll change your life and your perspective. Sanctification is not trying and clawing and grasping and reaching to try to become something that's always just out of reach. No, I already am declared righteous by him. I already am declared holy by him. I've already had my sins washed away by his blood. So I'm not trying to be something. I am something. I am who he says that I am. And he says I'm his child and he says I'm righteous and he says that I have him inside of me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. At the moment of your salvation, God changed your spiritual DNA. He put in you his Holy Spirit. Of course, he wants you to become sanctified, made holy, made like him because that's just called walking in the Spirit. And you know that the Bible says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This is a matter of faith, not sight. When you become a believer, you don't look in the mirror and see a different face. You look in the mirror and you see the same old you. When you become a Christian, you don't go home and find out that you just got a new car and a new house and a new job and a new boss. And for some of you, a new spouse and new kids and new parents and new siblings. That's not what happens. When you become a child of God, even your personality pretty much stays the same. So what changes when you become a child of God? Oh, only the eternal things. Only the most important things. Only the most powerful things in your life. Only the things that will last forever. When you become a child of God, Matthew 5.14 says you're, you become a light in this world. John 1.11 says you become a child of God. John 15 and 15 says you become a friend of God. John 15 and 16 says you are chosen and appointed by Christ to bear fruit. Romans 6 and 18 says you become a slave of righteousness. You become a member of Christ's body. You become a minister of reconciliation. The Bible declares that you become righteous and holy. Colossians 3 and 3 says you're hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3.12 says you are chosen chosen and dearly beloved. That's who you are. You're not who you see in the mirror. You're who God declares that you are. So stop walking according to what the world is telling you and start walking according to what the scripture is telling you. It will change your everyday life. I don't want to come to church once a week on Sunday to get a little jolt to help me coast into next week. I want to live this every day as a child of God because the Bible says I am born again. I am alive with Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am a saint. I am a child of light and not of darkness. I am an enemy of the devil and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am born of God and 1 John says the evil one cannot touch me. I am victorious. I am more than a conqueror. I am a citizen of heaven. I am God's workmanship. I am joint heirs with Christ. I am a temple of the Holy Ghost and I am a new creation. Kind of makes you want to say, devil, what are you going to do about that? There's nothing he can do. You're a child of God. It all depends on who you listen to and who you follow every day.
called to be saints. It is the highest and greatest calling that a human being could ever, ever have. And I'm finished teaching, but I'd like us to pause and thank God for everything he's invested, not just in the church corporately. Isn't that easy? I'd like you to thank God on behalf of you, your little old self and your little old life and thank him for the day he saved you and thank him for the Holy Ghost and thank him for lifting you up and thank him for forgiving your sins and your failures and your falling and thank him for all of that. Would you lift up your voice and would you just collectively but individually just thank the Lord for that? Oh Jesus, I worship you God. I who was imperfect, you've declared me righteous before you. I who was so sinful, you declare me holy in you. I who had no hope, you've given me a hope and a future. I, the one who fails and falls and has bad days. Jesus, you've said that I am an overcomer. I am sanctified. I am called to be a saint of God. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. I wish somebody filled with the Holy Ghost would pray in the Spirit for a moment. Kathy, come on back, would you? Just pray in the Spirit for a moment. That's something you get when you're a child of God. The spirit within us makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. You don't even understand what you're praying sometimes, but that Holy Ghost will pray through you and bring you strength and bring you victory and lift you up above your enemies round about you. You're bigger than you ever thought you were. You're stronger than you ever considered. You are mighty through God because the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God. So if your weapons are mighty, you are a mighty man or woman of God. Call to be saints. Call to be saints. You are not weak. Let the weak say, I am strong. It's always a privilege to have Sister Lynn home with us. There's a reason that God has used her and that he placed a burden in her heart and She's the director of that beautiful orphanage, Home International. There's a reason she gets overjoyed when she tells the stories of little children that have been adopted because she has a story. Do you understand that God when he sanctifies you as he sanctifies you as you walk with him and as you grow in him God can take your deepest pain God can take your darkest days 
and he can turn them into a testimony for his glory that will touch the lives of hundreds or maybe thousands of people. You, because you're called to be a saint of God. Would you stand to your feet? I'm finished. The Bible study's over. I hope your response to the Lord isn't quite over. Would you lift up your hands and would you just begin to pray again in this sanctuary? There's a wonderful, rich, powerful presence of God here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. This is why you need to walk with him every day. This is why you need to talk to him every day. Call to be saints. Call to grow. Call to triumph. Call to live in victory. Call to be an overcomer. Oh, I wish I could get somebody to push the pedal on your praise for a minute. Just just let it increase and rise up to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Call to be saints. What a privilege, Jesus. What a privilege, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.